Welcome to African American Conservatives, the soul of the conservative movement. I'm your host, Marie Strader. Please go to anchor.fm forward slash A-A-C-O-N-S. You'll find our podcast there. You'll also find a button to support us if you would care to do so. You can also find us at acons, A-A-C-O-N-S dot substack dot com. Lieutenant Colonel Allen B. West is a combat veteran of the United States Army, where he served in uniform for 22 years. He was a member of the 112th Congress, serving the constituents of Florida. Further, he served as chairman of the Republican Party of Texas, a gubernatorial candidate for Texas, and he is currently the executive director of the American Constitutional Rights Union. He is the author of three books and the host of the podcast, Steadfast and Loyal. Welcome back to the show, Alan B. West. It's good to be with you, Marie. Uh, thank you so very much. And greetings to you from um, down in Fredericksburg, Texas. I spent some time helping out with the former Texas Rangers Foundation. Uh, you can find them at the former Texas Rangers Foundation.org. Uh, and it's a big deal because next year, uh, for those of us who live here in Texas and really people all across the country, it's the 200th uh, anniversary of the founding of the Texas Rangers going back to 1823. Awesome. Now, your friend and fellow Georgian, Herschel Walker, lost his bid for the Senate earlier this week. What are your reactions? Well, I really, you know, it's kind of upsetting. I, I wish that Herschel could have performed better, especially when you look at the disparity between the results that came out in the general election for Governor Brian Kemp and then for Herschel in the general election. Then, of course, now in the uh, in the runoff election. So there was a little bit of an underperforming. And so when you think about how critical this seat was, everyone should have been rallying together to make sure that we won that seat, because now what has been lost is that the, uh, the Democrats have complete control of the Senate. That means they have subpoena powers. That means that they can push through uh, judicial nominations with just that simple majority that they have of the 51 to 49, and they control the committees now. The committees prior to that had to be balanced. They don't have to be balanced. They can favor the Democrats there, and that's going to affect the hearings and things that we see. So, you know, for whatever reason, I, you know, it's kind of hurtful that, you know, Herschel was not able to get across the finish line. And, and I know there is a lot of people saying that, you know, there were some issues about the quality of, of the candidate. And uh, I remember the words, uh, the comments from the lieutenant governor there in Georgia. Well, you know, how many people, you know, kind of had a candidate 101 uh, seminar or training sessions or whatever with uh, Herschel Walker to get him prepared and squared away to be the best possible senatorial candidate that he can be. So let's just go back to the drawing board and let's see why do, number one, the Democrats keep outraising uh, Republicans in these races. And number two, let's learn from the fact that we have red states that are in trouble because all the major urban population centers are being uh, taken over by the progressive socialist left. And that is something that we need to learn from uh, here in Texas, because you look at Dallas County, where I live, uh, Robert Francis O'Rourke won Dallas County in our gubernatorial election with 63% of the vote, even though he uh, only got 44.9% uh, overall across Texas. But the fact that uh, you see these leftist candidates controlling here in Texas, in Georgia, wherever, major urban population centers, where you see the greatest amount of failure 
of leftist policies. That's something we need to uh, consider. Given what we recently witnessed in Arizona and Pennsylvania, do you have confidence in the results from Georgia? Well, you know, I think that Georgia did a really good job of cleaning up their elections. Uh, You did not see the type of shenanigans you saw in Maricopa County, which I think that needs to be revisited. How is it that on Election Day in just that one county, where about 65, maybe up to 70 percent of the voting population of the state of Arizona is there in Maricopa County, where all of a sudden you had these machines that were dysfunctional. They could not function properly. And you ended up disenfranchising voters because people were told that uh, they could not go to to other places, which they still had them logged on in as voting. Uh, And then they were told they could, you know, put in provisional ballots and ballots got mixed up and all of these things. So once again, you had, uh, you know, unconstitutional actions that took place, but namely the disenfranchising of voters. But What really gets me about Arizona is how can you have a secretary of state that is running for governor and not being told to recuse themselves because the secretary of state in Arizona supervises the elections. And so then you end up having the supervisor of the elections, the secretary of state, uh, certify her own election uh, Mm -hmm. after we know what happened in Maricopa County. And furthermore, the person that is in charge of elections in Maricopa County was running for Secretary of State, Democrat. Why was that person not told, told to recuse themselves from being in charge there in Maricopa County? So those are the type of things that we need to you know, ask ourselves about. And, and of course, uh, when you look at some of the things that happened up in Pennsylvania, um, you know, voting for a candidate that had passed away in, in one state house race uh, is kind of uh, perplexing. But for whatever reason, we've got to do better Uh, and understanding how do we get into the game of chasing ballots. We have to operate within the laws that have been changed in these respective states, and we got to outcompete the progressive socialist leftists on uh, on the ground with their canvassing efforts. Well, and as you know, we like to do a lot of hand-wringing and uh, armchair quarterbacking the morning after. Um, Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people have placed blame at the feet of RNC Chair Ronna McDaniel. And some are calling for her ouster, uh, or at least a challenger. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, well, look, uh, Albert Einstein said the pure definition of insanity is is to continue to do the same thing and think you're going to get different results. Uh, I think that when you look at the the strategic level, which is the Republican National Committee, uh, we got to do a little bit better. We got to do a little bit better with our messaging. We have to do better with uh, getting into these major urban population centers. Uh, look, you have some you know, people that have done very well. Number one, Harmeet Dillon, who I know personally since I was the chairman here in Texas. She understands those things from a, a lawfare uh, aspect and the legal challenges that the left always brings. But I think she brings a, a new and different perspective. Uh, Lee Zeldin, you look at what he was able to do with hammering that crime issue and look how successful they were in New York. He may have fallen short in the gubernatorial election, but that was the closest that any Republican had been, I think, since George Pataki. Uh, and then also you look at what he was able to do in getting four congressional seats flipped 
in that state because he had a very focused message and good strategic communications. So I think from a messaging perspective, that's what we need is uh, someone that can re-energize that and we can go on offense, not be reacting to the left. But uh, when you think about these claims of threat to democracy, there was no response to that uh, in this last midterm election cycle. And therefore, uh, the Democrats, you can expect them to continue to use those type of disparaging and uh, demeaning and, uh, you know, deriding, derisive type of uh, attacks against Republicans, which the real threats to democracy are the Democrat Party who want to allow legal immigrants to come into this country and vote. They want to censor uh, free speech in this country. They want to stack the Supreme Court. They want to get rid of the filibuster. So those are the type of responses we need. And I think we got to do a better job at the RNC level. A few days ago, uh, fellow Texan and Twitter CEO, Elon Musk, uh, released what's being called the Twitter files, which confirmed once again that Twitter helped uh, tilt the 2020 presidential election in uh, Mr. Biden's favor. What happens now? Well, that's the amazing thing. I, I mean, when you know that you have the collusion between uh, the government and a, and a private sector entity to suppress the constitutional rights of the American people and to include the suppressing a free press, someone has to be held accountable. Uh, without a doubt. And and look, there's no debate about this happening. Jen Psaki last year stood at the podium in the White House uh, giving a press briefing and, and admitted that they were working with private sector uh, organizations, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Google, whomever, about this whole information, uh, whole issue about, quote unquote, misinformation and disinformation. Well, who are the arbiters of that? Who are the ones that decide what misinformation and disinformation is? And basically what it comes down is a very fascist approach in trying to silence your political opposition. And that's what Elon Musk is uncovering. And now we find out about this uh, this general counsel, deputy general counsel for, for Twitter, who was also a general counsel at the FBI, and they were creating that link between the two. So this this rabbit hole only gets deeper. You know, will will someone lose their job? Not out of this administration, but the American people need to understand that we have an administration that is undermining their constitutional rights, freedoms, and liberties because they want to maintain power and control. Well, what I find interesting about the whole thing is, you know, we've been called QAnon, neocons, conspiracy theorists, all of these names, um, because we just don't accept the results. And so, as you, to your point about, you know, being the threat to democracy, as, as Hillary Clinton said, it's crazy that, you know, we're seeing these files now. And so much of what we said was true. It really did happen. So, you know, I, I don't understand that. Well, the simple thing to understand is that, you know, people are not going to allow you to, uh, you know, bring the truth forward. Uh, and, you know, when you have so many different indicators and warning signs, it leads to these final conclusions. You know, can you stand up there and say that, you know, the they cheated and an election was stolen? That's probably hard to prove, but you can definitely say that there were unconstitutional actions in the 2020 election cycle when you had uh, secretary of states, you had governors, you had judges changing election law. The only people who are supposed to be able to change and man or create law 
are legislators. And so therefore that is an irrefutable fact. And the fact that these things have continued on, I mean, look at what is going on with the whole COVID issue. Uh, now, finally, we are going to understand that the vaccine mandate uh, language has been included in the National Defense Authorization Act to end that for our military. Well, it should have never been started. But yet, if you said something about that, you were all of a sudden demonized and denigrated and disparaged across social media. Uh, if you don't want to agree with the, the climate change thing and you have facts uh, pointing in a different way, you're a climate denier. All of these things. And so and you should we be jailed. Yeah. And you should be jailed. That was recently posted right. on, on Twitter by a very far leftist. And so this is what you have, that people that believe you don't agree with our ideology, if you don't agree with what we are pushing forward, then you don't have a right to speech. You don't have a right to have stories as the New York Post with the Hunter Biden to be released to the public. You don't have a right to think differently. And so this is a very interesting constitutional uh, impasse in which we find ourselves. Because again, when you know that your government is working to suppress your liberties and freedoms and rights, according to the Bill of Rights, what are the consequences? What are the ramifications? Uh, right now, I don't think that anybody's going to resign. I don't know if anyone will be hauled off to jail. Uh, and so what is going to happen? The only thing that can happen is to hold them accountable uh, come the 2024 election cycle. And it's not over yet. There's still more revelations to come from what mm -hmm. I understand. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But you touched on something when you mentioned uh, the Hunter Biden story and, and the New York Post. Uh, according to New York Post columnist and previous ACONS guest, Miranda Devine, the FBI wanted uh to uh, what the FBI was instrumental in pushing Twitter and Facebook to censor the laptop story, essentially by deliberately mislabeling the laptop as disinformation by mm -hmm. foreign actors. Is the FBI then a partisan tool for the DNC? Oh, without a doubt, that cannot be debated once again. But what are the ramifications? What are the consequences? Is Christopher Ray? going to be you know forced to step down i don't think president biden's going to do that is merrick garland going to be forced to step down after all he oversees the federal bureau of investigation so that is the frustration that the people in the united states of america have and that there are two different lines of justice there are two tiers of justice here where some people are held accountable and some people are thrown in jail without any charges being brought forth their due process being uh, undermined, but yet you have the blatant uh, disregard for the rule of law emanating from the people that supposedly took a, a note to support and defend the Constitution and uphold the laws of this land, but yet nothing is happening to them. So I think that the American people need to wake up and understand what is going on. And, you know, when we hear, you know, the left throwing around this word fascist, what they're doing is just trying to project on someone else what they're actually doing. And that's absolutely right. As we record this this week, uh, we are hearing about Tim Poole, someone that you know, you've been on this podcast mm -hmm. a number of times, uh, being doxxed and swatted. I think it's been like three times mm -hmm. that SWAT has been called out to his house or the FBI or something. Um, and so to your point about people who are speaking out, uh, they don't have that luxury like the left does. Um He's being followed. He's being swatted, uh, had his home invaded 
what can conservatives do? Do we have, are you concerned about any? I mean, I, I think anybody coming to your house. I mean, I've been to your house. I don't think anybody <laughs> has to worry. You don't have to worry about that. They'll be met with some force. I love the sign outside of your house. Maybe you can right. tell us what that says. But I mean, should conservatives be concerned that this is now this, the status quo? We saw Heidi and, and Ted Cruz um, being followed at a, at a restaurant. Uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders uh, escorted out. Uh, we saw people arrive at uh, Mitch McConnell's house, Elaine Chow, uh, all of that kind of stuff. And, and Maxine Supreme Waters. Justices, the Supreme Court justices. Yeah. Everything. yeah. Lee yeah. Zeldin, well, as you mentioned. Yeah. Well, this, these are the tactics of leftism, uh, Marxism, communism, socialism, statism, progressivism, whatever you want to call it. Uh, they don't see people having individual rights. They only see the collective. And the thing is that they only can advance themselves through threats, coercion, intimidation, uh, and then ultimately violence. And that's exactly what you see happening. Uh, if we ever had a time when conservatives were targeting uh, Supreme Court justices, like what we saw happen, if you ever had a time when conservatives were going out and shooting up the Democrat the baseball team while they practice for the congressional baseball game. Uh, this is a very interesting time in which we live because the left now believes that they are justified. Uh, and that's why you go out and you demean your opposition and you take away their humanity and you call them threats and things of this nature. You know, I just recently spoke up there at the University of Iowa. And there was uh, three young ladies uh, that came in and they were, you know, protesting, you know, they're weak arguments. But one of them held up a sign that said, go punch a Nazi in the face. And I kind of had to remind her that Nazis stood for National Socialists. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you look at these surveys, I mean, there are more kids on college campuses saying that they like socialism. So I told her, you know, you need to be thinking about who you're talking about punching in the face. And furthermore, you should not be advocating for violence anyhow. But yet that's who they are. And you think about our college and university uh, campus students, conservative students, and what they have to face. Here, uh, one of the worst campuses for conservative students in the country is the University of Texas in Austin. So I am very concerned that we're getting to this point where they're trying to impose their will upon us by any means necessary. And you talk about the sign on, on my house that is in black and gold, uh, US Army uh, symbol on it. And it says that the person living in this house is not really good at negotiations, but he's very good at, in a gunfight. Uh, you have now been properly negotiated with, and if you do not belong here, please leave. Yeah, yeah. You know, I find it amazing, Alan, that, you know, I hail from California and I was in the Bay Area and, I remember when Berkeley was the free speech capital mm. of the world. And yet we see uh, Ann Coulter, Ben Shapiro, uh, you know, all these other protests against conservative thought and conservative. Why are people afraid of opposing thoughts? I thought that's why you went to college was to be exposed to this whole wide world and figure out who you are and what you want to be and and have all these other ideas that you explore in a safe environment. No, they have become centers of indoctrination, not yeah. centers of education. And, you know, just recently this summer, the University of Buffalo, I had to be escorted off by the campus police uh, because the, the, the kids there just absolutely lost their mind, you know, banging on doors and, and 
you know, yelling out threats and all of that. And even after I left, they chased down the members of the conservative organization, the students there that invited me and the president of the organization. She had to run away and hide herself in the, the men's bathroom uh, because they were screaming, go get her. That should not be happening. And you have to ask yourself, University of Buffalo leadership, administration, what happened to those students? that were doing that because if you allow that to continue on if there were no expulsions from that institution uh then you are saying that you're complicit and you are saying that you accept that type of abhorrent behavior and so that's what's happening on our college and university campuses where these kids if they don't get their way uh they're just going out there and being very violent and be being extremely radical i mean look at what happened to the university professor who was you know, fired because of the fact that they said that his class was too hard, his organic chemistry class. So we, we cannot continue to go down this path uh, where education that's now just become the centers of education all the way down to the middle school level, really, have become just indoctrination grounds for the next generation of little leftists and Marxists. Like us, you recently joined the ranks of Substack. And mm -hmm. with your new blog, Steadfast and Loyal, it's alanwest.substack.com, uh, where in your first article, which racked up thousands of views on the first day, you wrote, quote, the Biden administration has clearly committed such acts of treason against this nation with full intention and purposeful will, end quote. How so? Well, just think about uh, what we saw from President Biden, who uh, just yesterday uh, decided he was going to take a trip to Arizona, a border state. And when he was asked about you're traveling to a border state. Why aren't you going to the border? He said there are more important things. <laughs> if you are the president of the United States of America and you have taken an oath to the Constitution, which in Article 4, Section 4 says you're supposed to protect every state in the union from invasion. We're talking about five or six million people, one million others unknown gotaways that we're not tracking. That is an undermining of our sovereignty. So in other words, Mr. President, you are undermining the sovereignty of this constitutional republic. That's an act of treason. You took an oath uh, to the legal order. You took an oath to uphold the rule of law, the constitution of this country. Now you're in complete violation of it. You have an administration that is colluding to undermine the constitutional rights and liberties of the American people, their citizens, and you're aiding and abetting that. You left $85 billion of U.S. military equipment to a known terrorist uh, organization called the Taliban. The, all of those things coming together, you're going out there and you have undermined our energy independence, yet you're going and aiding and abetting a brutal socialist dictator like Nicolas Maduro saying that we can drill uh, in Venezuela who has a much dirty lev dirtier level of crude oil than what we have. And so all of those things added up, we've got to look at this seriously and say that this is a treasonous administration because they are not following by the oath that they took, uh, which to the Constitution, to our rule of law, to our legal order. They're doing everything they can to undermine it with their own ideological agenda. In a recent interview, uh, Republican Congressman Andy Biggs said, uh, quote, Kevin McCarthy doesn't have the votes now to become House Speaker, and he's not going to get them by January 3rd, end quote. Uh, do you think that Kevin McCarthy is the right leader to take the House Republicans? And if not him, who would you support? 
Well, I will tell you, you know, having been a former member of Congress and knowing Kevin McCarthy and looking at how things have gone for Republicans, uh, and especially in the 2022 midterm elections, instead of having strong messaging, you come out with a 150 page document called a commitment to America that nobody's going to read. There are some issues with leadership there. Uh, And if I was Kevin McCarthy, I'd go to these people and, and ask them, why do you think that I cannot be and you cannot support me as speaker? And I would do everything I possibly can to make sure that they understand that I will not be that person. And, you know, whatever I have to put in writing or or what have you. So I think that right now people are looking for bold leadership. They're looking for people that are going to stand up and fight because we only have a seven uh, seat majority. But yet you still need to do everything possible to push for good, strong, constitutional, conservative governance, not special interest governance, not self-interest governance. And so, you know, Andy Biggs, Jim Jordan, those type of gentlemen have been out there on the forefront fighting very hard. And like you say, they've been vindicated because all the things they've been talking about have come true. And so I think that's what uh, they're looking for for Kevin McCarthy. Are you that resolute leader that will stand up and go toe to toe? against the progressive socialist left, or are you going to tamp us down? To that point, you wrote in a column recently for the ACRU, uh, which you can find at theacru.org, quote, yes, we need a House GOP that will be strong, principled, and resolute in holding violators constitutionally accountable. They also need to hold tight the purse strings in reining in those federal government agencies. It is a republic, and we must fight like heck to keep it. That means there must be consequences to those who believe they are above the law, regardless of position, end quote. Uh, Do these consequences mean uh, bringing Biden officials before the House for impeachment hearings? Yeah, absolutely so. I mean, Mayorkas, uh, Christopher Ray, uh, uh, Merrick Garland, uh, the head of the ATF, all of these people that are doing unconstitutional actions to suppress the freedoms and liberties and rights of the American people, they need to be held constitutionally accountable. And furthermore, you need to use the purse strings to withdraw support. Look, every single one of these diversity, equity, and inclusion, which is cultural Marxism, offices in the Department of Defense should not receive funding. Uh, that that should be drawn out as a, as a line item. And so as we get ready to go into the next uh, cycle of the National Defense Authorization Act and also defense appropriations, that's the type of thing that they should be looking to do. And that's the type of plan that you want to lay down that people can clearly understand. You look at the Department of Homeland Security. You start to make sure that you, you know, use the power of the purse to say that, you know, we want to see you put, you know, more uh, Border Patrol agents in the places where they should be. And if you continue to go out there saying that the border is not secure, you're lying to us, you're, that you're committing perjury uh, because you're under oath. Uh, you look at the fact that they want to take air marshals off of the aircraft and they want to put them down on the border to hand, you know, make sandwiches and drive illegals around to appointments and things of this nature. That's not what air marshals are supposed to do. And that comes back to treasonous activity because now you're exposing our airline industry once again to terrorist actions, especially when you're allowing millions of people to come in here that we don't know who they are. Uh, we're not able to track them. And those that we are catching on the terrorist watch list, how many others are we not catching on the terrorist watch list? 
One, I want to pivot a little bit to some of the geopolitical issues we are facing currently. One of the issues that divides the GOP is the funding of the Ukrainian resistance to the Russian invasion, uh, with the two most common views on the matter being, A, to continue with uh, aid but with audits, and B, to withhold aid and force Ukraine into a peace, uh, peace deal. Do you share one of these views or do you see another path? No, I think, you know, I don't think you want to force a sovereign nation into a peace deal. Look, if someone was, you know, here in the United States of America, we're not just going to say, well, you know, we'll give you the lower half of Texas. And if you just, you know, sign a peace negotiation. No, uh, Russia is wrong. They have invaded a sovereign nation. They should be held accountable for that. But guess what? If we were pushing our own energy independence and we were pushing our energy resources over into Ukraine and into Europe, uh, that would undermine Vladimir Putin's ability. So in a way, the Biden administration is culpable to what we see happening there. Not only, only that, but also creating an atmosphere of weakness where Vladimir Putin felt that he could get away with that. We can just provide them the right type of armaments and weapons. Number one, the MiG fighters. There should be no Russian equipment, military equipment that's within the sovereign borders of Ukraine. And let's give them the tools by which they can do that, not just signing a blank check uh, that we don't know where it emanates from. So I think that if we do the right thing and provide them the type of weapons that they have asked for, the MiG fighters, long-range artillery to, to match the capability of the Russians, uh, and whatever we give them, and up to this point, we need to have a full audit of it. Uh, and we need to hold them accountable as well. But so no more blank checks, but we don't need to force them into ceding over territory to Russia, because guess what? Who's paying attention to that? China. And so will China do something and then we'll just cry uncle and see Taiwan over to the Chinese? Speaking of China, what are your thoughts about the blank paper protests that we're seeing in China currently? Well, the thing that really upsets me is that why don't you hear more strong speech and language emanating from the Biden administration to support those protesters in China and also support those in Iran? Uh, and we've been here before. Uh, back when uh, Barack Obama was in the White House, we did not support the Green Movement in Iran. And furthermore, uh, Barack Obama sided with the Muslim Brotherhood uh, in Egypt. And, and of course, uh, they had to uh, get Mohammed Morsi out, and they put in uh, General el-Sisi. Uh, but the Egyptian people were just absolutely flabbergasted by what they saw. So again, we have the continuation. This is really Barack Obama's third you know, term, presidential term, and we see the continuation of these policies. So we need to have strong uh, you know, response. And why are we not going to the United Nations and saying to the United Nations Security Council, that if you do not kick Russia and China off the United Nations Security Council, the United States is going to pull all of its support and funding to the United Nations. That's the type of hardball we need to be playing. Continuing uh, to talk about China, you were one of the first voices that I remember talking about uh, this geopolitical foe. Uh, Chuck DeVore was another person, but I think I, I remember hearing it from you uh, just a long time ago. Um, and most of that has been prescient and, and, and come to fruition. Uh, so tell us a little bit about your decision to stop posting to TikTok, which is owned by the CCP. 
Well, that's it. It's, it's, I mean, I would be uh, a hypocrite if I'm standing on one side talking about the threats of this geopolitical foe, but then on the other side, I'm supporting a communications platform which is owned by the Chinese Communist Party. So made the decision that we're not going to be, you know, supporting TikTok and, you know, completely withdraw ourselves away from it. And I think more people need to be able to do that. We've got to get serious about dealing with China. I mean, China should not be buying up property here in the United States of America. We should not have that happening definitely here in Texas, which is right next to Laughlin Air Base down in Del Rio, Texas, which is one of the premier uh, training grounds for our uh, future Air Force pilots. Uh, but yet again, we are being weak in the eyes of China, and that's what they are going to continue to take advantage of. So I think it is so important we start to send a message to them. And again, let's bring our manufacturing, let's bring our supply lines back here to the United States of America. If there's a company out there like Apple that wants to side with the Chinese Communist Party, they get no protections from the United States of America if that is more important to them. Uh, look at the NBA and what they do in, in working and supporting the Chinese Communist Party. So we need to have Americans to stand up and push back against this very brutal uh, regime that is a complete violator of human rights. You know, it's, it's funny you hear all these people talk about human rights, human rights, human rights. But then when it comes to China, they think something different or they say something different. Like our basketball players, you know? Yeah, yeah absolutely. You're right. Um, and, you know, the other thing is we're, we're entering into the holiday season um, mm -hmm. where people give gifts, those sorts of things. And it is hard to find anything that is not made in China. And yeah. one of the things I really appreciate about you, and I think everybody knows I'm the president of the Allen West fan club. But beyond that, one of the things that I really appreciated about working on your gubernatorial campaign is that you insisted that all of the merchandise be printed, not just in America, but in Texas. Um, and so I really wish that there was someone and you can find it in little pockets, but I think there needs to be a website that has all of the companies that make products in America. We need to have more American-made products. Uh, it's just tragic how much comes from China that I don't think people, I mean, I look in you know the places that I buy and it says country of origin, China, 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 China. It's like, do we not produce anything? It, it's, it's, it's shocking how much comes from China and how it's promoted over our own uh, manufacturing and, and, and that sort of thing. No, you're absolutely right. And there are some lessons to be learned from the, uh, the fall of Rome. Uh, America is not an empire, but I think there's lessons to be learned. Number one, Rome did not protect and secure its borders. Uh, Rome allowed rampant illegal immigration to come into Rome and they ended up undermining uh, their, their nation. The other thing, though, is that Rome started to outsource everything to the respective provinces that uh, they had under their power and control. We don't need that. You know, we are Americans. We should be producing, manufacturing, consuming, and even exporting more goods to the to the world, especially in the in the realm of our medical supplies uh, that we have outsourced too much to China. So you're right. Uh, that's what America First policies are all about. And unfortunately, we have allowed you know, Joe Biden and the leftists to come out with the mega MAGA, you know, rhetoric and things of this nature. But we should be challenging them, challenging them every day about America first policies. And look, there are some allies out there that we can work with and we can get goods and services from, but not from our geopolitical foes. 
That's right. A recent Twitter post stated, quote, Germany is backtracking on its promise to swiftly raise defense spending to at least 2% of its economic output, reaching the key commitment made days after Russia's invasion of Ukraine to become a more serious military force, end quote. You called this one a while back. Uh, would you care to expound on this? Yeah, you knew that the you know the European nations would knuckle under because guess what? They're tied their energy resources to Russia. And so why would they do what is necessary to provide the appropriate funding for the strength of NATO when Vladimir Putin can just you know take that energy spigot and start to turn it off because uh, winter is approaching and they don't want to freeze. And so backdoor, that's what is happening. So again, United States of America was energy independent. At one point in time, we were a next net exporter of all of our energy resources. That happened in the Trump administration. Joe Biden has come along and undermined that. And again, to me, that's part of the treason of this trip, undermine our own energy security, or prop up the energy security of the OPEC plus and allow others to be able to use that as leverage against you know, our allies being in the uh, NATO countries. So we're going to wrap up our tour of uh, the world in uh, and foreign policy in California, because th that's just foreign to me, how they think, even having been born there and raised there and coming from there. California is reportedly considering reparation, a reparations bill that would yeah. grant over $200,000 to every qualified black resident, how they're going to determine that is, you know, uh, which would cost the state, which is bankrupt, by the way, and has yes. been bankrupt for a decade or more, um, over $550 billion. What is your reaction to this? This is absurd. It's insidious. It's ignorant. And I don't understand how anyone in the state of California could go along with this. So basically, you're saying to someone because of their skin color, they have to receive a quarter of a million dollars of taxpayer money for what? OK, you know, we have turned a corner on this, but yet the left continues to want to go back to it. And, you know, what about you know a Chinese citizen? You know, they had slave labor out there, you know, building the transcontinental railroads. Did they get some reparations or, you know, some of the others that, that are out there? And so why would a first or second generation person coming from another country to live in California all of a sudden have to be part of writing a check to people that they had nothing to do with? And truly, the people that are going to be the quote unquote beneficiaries of this quarter of a million dollars, they didn't suffer anything whatsoever. Uh, look. It is about equality of opportunity, not equality of outcomes. What Gavin Newsom wants to do is manage equality of outcomes and saying he's going to give people something. This is about buying votes and buying patronage. It should be about the quality of opportunity and making sure that everyone can receive the good quality education that enables them to be all that they can be in this country. But yet the progressive socialist leftists are against school choice. They are making sure that our black children live in areas where they have failing schools. Uh, they have decimated the traditional nuclear black family. Uh, they're not helping out black small businesses whatsoever. Uh, but yet they think they're writing a check to a person for a quarter of a million dollars is going to quote unquote solve something. This is really the, the, the poison pill of the Democrat Party and what they have done in destroying the black community. As Jason Raleigh once uh, said in the title of his book, please stop helping us.
Alan, thanks for being our guest today on ACONS and a Merry Christmas to you. Thank you so very much, Marie. And it is Christmas season. We have to continue to say that. And, you know, being here in the United States of America, we've got two great gifts, the gift of eternal life that came through the sacrifice and the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the incredible gift of citizenship we have in being in the greatest nation that the world has ever known, longest running constitutional republic. And so the commitment we have to make is that we preserve those two gifts and we pass it on to our future generations. So God bless you and thank you for having me. Thank you. And now comes that part of the show where we bring DK in to get his reaction. Come on in, DK. Hola. Well, hello. How are you? I'm just looking into moving into California, boy. Oh, right. To get your your 223,000. I mean, my family of five, we would have gotten a million bucks, over a million bucks. That's not close to a million bucks. And you know what? Even with a million bucks, we still couldn't buy a house in California. So, you know, (laughs) what's the point? But you have all those tent cities all over San Francisco. I might just, be able to buy a tent. It's probably just, made in China, but I could probably buy a tent. Oh, you don't have to buy it. Just walk in the Target, grab a nice tent. That's walk right. If it. it's under $950, I can yeah. just carry it out. Just check the pricing. You know, it's only for how long do you have to be in California to get that $200? Add it to my check. tab. There you go. Yeah. Probably just a few months. I'll, I'll get there, live, live in the tent for a few months, get my check, and I'll be back in New Jersey. There you go. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> well, that so was a great interview. interview. That yeah. was a great interview. I always feel like clapping when, uh, whenever Alan West gives an interview, and especially his answer on Ukraine. There's this whole wing of the Republican Party that seems to want to abandon Ukraine to Russia, of all people, to a, a peace deal that I don't know how anyone would think that Russia would hold to. I mean, they violated so many peace deals and treaties in the past. They would happily accept a deal that would give them a certain portion of Ukraine, regroup, and, you know, 10 years later, they'll be back at it for the rest. So I'm I'm an an old school conservative. You know, Russia is the enemy. Um, West was exactly right. You know, we got to keep our energy independence. We got to keep putting financial pressure on Russia. We can't allow them to have the funds to continue this military adventures, although they'll probably get all the funds they need from China anyway. Um, but I, I think he's right. We have to do what we can. I'm, I'm, um, I'm not putting up any I'm with Ukraine's uh, posters on my wall yet, but I'm with, uh, I'm with Alan West on this. And, you know, he is incredibly brilliant, I think. I mean, he really is a, a, a statesman. Um, and that's one of the things that I love about him. I mean, I, like I said, everybody knows that I'm I'm a big Alan West fan. We're friends. But, I mean, even if we weren't, just his grasp of military strategy and his grasp of political issues around the world um, is – I think unparalleled. There are very few people that I can think of. I mean, Chuck DeVore is one person that I can think of um, that has some pretty specialized knowledge um, of situations around the world. But just that breadth of knowledge is so refreshing in a politician because, you know, we have this person in the White House um, that can't seem to figure out how to get off of the stage. And and I don't say that to be mean. Um, I, I feel badly for him because I, I think he should be enjoying his sunset years, um, 
in a nice retirement community somewhere. Um, I don't think that he is up to the rigors of this particular job, regardless of, of how he got there. Um, and the, uh, I think Alan referred to them as unconstitutional acts that, that, that got him there. Um, but we, that's someone I think that we need in the White House, someone that has that kind of skill set that can easily pivot to issues around the world and has an understanding of how these things, you know, inner are interwoven. Um, and, and that seems to be something that we are, are sadly lacking um, in this day and age. I can't think of too many people that I could count, um, you know, on more than one hand that have that type of knowledge. Yeah, and and he said hi to me today, which is I, I, I never <laughs> I never he think he when goes he came in, our, our audience wouldn't see that, but he did. Yeah, it's amazing. Maybe once he become president, I can finagle that into some sort of secretary position. <laughs> not, I don't not, think I'd wish that press secretary position on anybody. Who <laughs> 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 no? Although Kaylee McEnany did a pretty great job. I got to yeah. meet her last month. She's pretty awesome. Now, Huckabee woman, Sarah Huckabee, she was Oh, good. yeah, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. She was my definitely. favorite. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to talk about the election in Georgia. Um, I was very disappointed with the outcome, although I yeah. never expected Herschel Walker to win. I hoped that he would win. Didn't expect it because he was hit with so much so quickly. As soon as October started, it was he was dissed by his, his own son, there were all these women who came forward suddenly. Allah Herman Cain. Yeah, suddenly. That's exactly what it reminded me of. Just yeah. weeks before the election to say, oh, Herschel Walker uh, paid for my abortion. And they present some, some sort of check that doesn't have the word abortion on it, but we're going to take their word for it that it was for an abortion. Um, they, all, all of a sudden, he's not a resident of Georgia at all. He apparently lives in Texas, according to... Uh, according to the media. He's a Texas resident who just ran for a Senate in Georgia. I guess he threw a dart at a, a map just for the fun and landed of it, in yeah. Georgia. So I'll, run, I'll run from Senator there. He's, he's not a Georgia resident. So. so I didn't expect him to win, but what I also didn't expect was that he would be hit with the barrage of hatred that he receives especially from other African-Americans who would ordinarily or should ordinarily find that disrespectful to have any black person spoken to in that sense. And I, I wrote down a few quotes I heard on CNN and MSNBC and all the, all the MSNBC, MSDNC. And then, you know, there was Van Jones who said, Hershey Walker used to be an inspiration. Now he's an insult. He's an insult to black people. And they brought on some uh, Democrat Party woman, another black woman. She says, I think if you are a Hershey Walker, you are an insult to the black voters of Georgia. Another strategist, black woman. Black people are upset. Actually, they feel insulted. You see that a lot when you listen to these people because they get the same notes and yeah. they have to repeat the same talking points. So if you watch MS. MSNBC and CNN, so maybe some other networks. It's not unusual to hear them say the same things verbatim. A Joy Reid said, "There's a certain disrespect that a lot of black men, in particular, feel about 
the way that Herschel was has been walked around by people like Lindsey Graham and sort of used and put forward. So, you know, Herschel Walker is not capable of making a decision to run for government, uh, run for senator himself. He has to be a puppet of Lindsey Graham and, of course, Donald Trump. Um, Don Lemon, what the Republican leadership or establishment think of black people because they think they can put someone like Hershey Walker in there and that black folks are going to go out and vote for him just because he's black. I mean, how many candidates have the Democratic Party put forward and expect you and me, you know, African-Americans to vote for it just because they're black? I remember when Obama ran, that was the most compelling argument that we heard that he's a black man uh, forget about your personal views. Forget how you feel about abortion or taxes, government. He's a black man running against a white man. You are somehow, by your race, obligated to vote for him. And it's when Hillary Clinton ran. It was like, we're supposed to vote with our lady parts. Yeah, exactly. But it was just an amazing how willing yeah. they were to denigrate Hershey Walker. I remember they did this whole thing on... One of the websites I, I follow, I follow like a, a lot of left-wing websites and this was in like a lot of them that in some interview, he was talking about the election and the way he said it, it sounded like erection and somehow that became a story. And I saw the comments that they were, they were mocking him relentlessly because he has a very, what, you know, what some people call a heavy tongue. He kind of, and he has a very thick accent. So... He doesn't speak eloquently like Alan West or a lot of other people. He speaks heavily and he, he seems to mispronounce certain words and he's not even mispronounced. He kind of slurs his words and they, and they think because of that, they can call him less intelligent. And, and, uh, and again, in a way that you, black people should not be comfortable hearing black mm -hmm. people spoken about. And, and furthermore, these are the people who picked uh, President Biden, who, like you just said, should be should be at this point in his life someplace nice where he can eat all the ice cream and you can keep him off of bicycles and he can play with the Easter Bunny. They pick him to be president. They picked John Fetterman, who, unfortunately, because I'm, I'm very sensitive when it comes to stroke, but he he's obviously has cognitive damage from his stroke. They voted for him just recently. And if you said that this man is not qualified to be senator because of his brain damage, you are, you are an ableist. You know, you're, yeah. you're a bigot against people with a li uh, mental liability. They still are supporting Dianne Feinstein, who now I'm also very sister about women of a certain age group, you know, but she's, she's not sharp apparently. They don't want her on TV. They don't want her on committees because apparently her her mind is... Her cognitive ability is drastically... She should be, a, she should be somewhere mm -hmm. resting as well. Mm -hmm. They pick these people, and then they want to say that Hershey Walker is not qualified to be senator. Man, I mean, look at who you're voting for. Yeah. Well, you know, to, to that point, here's the other piece of it. All of what you said is absolutely true. But here's the thing. They're... they're they're saying that Herschel Walker is a hypocrite because of this abortion story that is alleged one. It's an allegation. But here's the thing. Raphael Warnock 
is on record saying that he believes abortion is okay up until birth and, and beyond, if I'm not mistaken. And he supposedly is a reverend. Now, you know, I'm funny about religious titles because one, there are no religious titles in the Bible. There are offices that people hold and reverend is actually only used once in the Bible and it's to to refer to a characteristic of God. So, you know, I have real issues already there, but the fact of the matter is he's supposedly someone who is teaching about God and about, and he said something, and I'm not even going to repeat it because I think it's blasphemous, but he seems to think that, um, you know, uh, abortion has uh, the stamp of approval of the divine. And that is absolutely blasphemous and false. So, you know, I, I have real issues with him for a lot of reasons. Um, but, you know, all over Twitter, I'm seeing this morning where he's talking about glory to God and people are castigating him for that. And rightly so, because he wants to kill innocent babies, which I can't think of anything more um, sadistic and barbaric. Um, so, you know, I, I find it really interesting that on one hand, they could say, oh, Herschel Walker had an abortion, blah, 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 blah whether that's true or not. Um, and then support this candidate who is so in your face about his support for abortion. It is beyond uh, what I think even the average American would find um, support for. You know, I was watching MSDNC and then last night, and one of the things they did besides denigrate, insult, tear down Herschel Walker for daring to be a black man who run as a Republican is that they elevated Raphael Warnock and to the point where some of them were even considering him as a legitimate candidate to be president in uh, 2024 or 2028. And what makes Raphael Warnock so qualified to be senator or president where where Hershey Walker was not qualified. I mean, one yeah. case said he's a pastor, which is an honorable occupation, but it's not as if he's uh, a CEO of a million dollar or billion dollar company. He doesn't, doesn't have 20 years of military like Alan West has. He's not a great legal mind. He's not a great economic mind. Um, He's a pastor, and look at some of the things he said. Uh, like you pointed out, he said that if Jesus was alive today, he would favor abortion. He said that another way he exploited his position as a pastor was to say that you cannot serve God and the military at the same time. That must be some revelation to someone, again, like Alan West, who's a Christian who did serve in the military. Warnock say, says... You can only serve one, which is amazing thing to say and have someone recommend you to be our commander in chief. And besides the, the typical scandals, this guy, as been reported on Fox, is a slumlord. He's been known to evict tenants for running thirty dollars check on thirty dollars short on a rent check, and have people uh, need heat or whatever else the slumlords due to their tenants. And not to, not to mention that he was legitimately um, accused of assaulting his ex-wife, you know, hitting her with the car, which, you know, which quickly got 
covered up by the media. Oh yeah. So I think Lindsey Graham said something very profound when he was defending Herschel Walker uh, over a few the last few days was that they want to tear Herschel Walker down to prevent any black conservative of coming forward. If they do that to him, imagine what they do to you if you decided to run. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, obviously they're willing to tear down just about any conservative, especially any conservative who admits that they voted for Trump. But the fact that Hershey Walker is not only a conservative, not only was he endorsed by Trump, and that's enough for him to be vilified the way he was, but the fact that he is black and they're worried about black, especially black men drifting over to the Republican Party made the vitriol worse. And, you know, it's weird that you say that because, you know, I'm thinking of going back to to what I was talking uh, to Alan about with Tim Pool. Tim Pool isn't particularly conservative. I mean, he's more of a libertarian. I mean, I've heard some positions that I don't necessarily agree with as a conservative. So, you know, and yet they're trying to shut him up. It's awful to see people that aren't even you know, like, um, I don't want to say diehard conservatives, but um, that have more conservative, more traditionally conservative positions. Um, And yet they're still trying to be silenced. So the left really does not want you to know stuff. That's why they're trying to suppress these Twitter files and the whole Hunter Biden story. They don't want you to see stuff. They don't want you to know stuff. They don't want anything. They don't want dissenting opinions. And that's why they hand out those memos, those talking points that everybody gets recycled, you know, um, to save the environment. So, you know, it's just, it's crazy that you have these same talking points that everybody uses. Yeah, it's sad. And it's a coordinated effort. They're all in collusion with each other. This, whether you're the media or you're the the DNC or you're in the the Department of Justice, you're, you know, the FBI, for example, they're all in collusion. And it is a serious problem. And on that note, we will end another episode of African American Conservatives, the soul of the conservative movement. Be sure to follow us on anchor.fm forward slash ACONS, A-A-C-O-N-S, at brightnews.com. And also follow the YouTube channel associated with Bright News. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and also now Substack at ACONS, A-A-C-O-N-S, dot Substack.com. I'm Marie. I'm DK. And this has been African American Conservatives, the soul of the conservative movement. See you next time.